Good morning, Rebecca. Is it, is it working? Yeah. Working. Socially distanced, is this okay? <laughs> um, so I've invited Rebecca Cochran uh, to come up and to share a little bit about her life, and in particular about her work, both outside of the home and within it. And the reason why I wanted to do that today is because I think it's, it's really important that as a church, uh, we really help you and do our best to equip you to connect Sunday to Monday. What we do here and experiencing the love and the presence of Jesus in the gospel, it actually applies to what you do tomorrow and throughout the week. And so I've asked Rebecca, instead of hearing from some uh, knucklehead pastor like me, um, want to hear from Rebecca. And before um, I ask you a few questions, which I've given her in advance, don't worry, um, I'd like to just let you introduce yourself a little bit and explain what you do. And um, I'm Rebecca Cochran. Um, I am a managing editor at a Christian news media organization called World News Group. Um, <clears throat> my particular role is um, overseeing the team that produces our children's news publications. So they're sort of an all of life, we call it from cradle to glory, Christian perspective on the news. Um, so that's what I do Monday through Friday, mm -hmm. and sometimes on the weekends too. But I'm also married. My husband, Chris, is sitting there in the middle there. And I'm a mom of four girls, and he has three. So we have a combined family, a blended family. Um, so then I've been here at Grace since 2013 and spent about six or seven years of that volunteering with the youth group here and with Greg Lee. That's right. And you made it. I mean, you survived. With, <laughs> Still here so far. <laughs> Greg was here in a second. He's a good friend. But, um, amazing. So I wanted to ask you just three questions. Um, the first one is, you know, we're still in, in pandemic on some level. Um, how has the pandemic, if at all, changed your particular work outside of the home? And then I have a question about your family. Okay, sure. Um, well, because of the way we're set up, um, the news never stops, so we didn't stop. Um, and we do have reporters and managers and production people all over the world, so we were already very well wired. It was not too difficult for us to transition to home. Um, definitely experiencing Zoom fatigue. I honestly would mm -hmm. never mind never having another video yeah. conference in my Amen. life. Amen. Um, here, here. We did go home and empty the office for um, a few months, and then we started gradually bringing people back in a staggered way so that we stayed, um, we were able to not expose anyone too much. And then now we're pretty much back in full swing. Um, most, in most people okay. are coming into the headquarters. Headquarters is in Asheville, so most people are coming in pretty regularly. Okay. I'm in person there at least four days a week okay. now and so we're, we're pretty much back to it um we like to socialize too we generally would have a social event once a month we had our first of those um this past thursday outside in our parking lot so <laughs> we're getting back into it Slowly, um, but, but we were able to take work home and keep going it okay. did um it was lonely and it was um it did feel much more fractured but it was possible and God kept us going. And mm. honestly, we actually saw growth during the pandemic and launched a whole new program, a video, 10 minute video news daily program, wow. um, which was just a tremendous blessing huh. that he blessed us with. We've grown in staff. 
And we've grown just remarkably so. Amazing. You know, we, we really have been blessed during a very hard time. Yeah, indeed. Well, what, what about your work at home, your work with your family? How has the pandemic this last year plus affected you? Well, obviously, the kids came home from school, and so we had to work through all of that with everyone being online. We had to buy a internet booster for yeah, the hallway yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, and, um, I mean, I do feel like tensions have been higher. Um, okay. The work is different for them when they're doing mm -hmm. it not face-to-face. -face. School was a little bit of a struggle. I mean, we yeah. made it through, definitely. We made yeah. it through. And um, in some ways, it was a little bit more convenient because I wasn't running around as much taking kids um, to school for a large part of that. They did start mm -hmm. back near the end. Um, so there was a little bit more of a convenience factor there, but it, it definitely came with a cost. Hmm. Um, my kids definitely learn better face-to-face -face than they yeah. do through a screen. So. Sure, sure. I want to ask you now, um, you know, just again in the spirit of trying to connect Sunday to Monday, um, how would you say the gospel comes to bear on your work outside of the home? And then I'll ask you about your family. Okay, well, um, I really am glad that Andrew asked me this question because this is something I'm truly passionate about. Mm. And... Um, it's part of what I think pushed me to, as a young adult, um, want to work in some kind of a mission-oriented hmm. um, organization, which is what World News Group is. But it's, it's certainly not exclusive to that, because um, I think God shows us a, a theology of work that encompasses everything that, the way I like to put it is, if your work is contributing to human thriving Amen. in any way, hmm. then you are fully functioning within his kingdom, and that's Amen. something I get really excited about, actually. Um, this morning, the first, the prelude, uh, you saying, we labor unto glory till heaven and earth are one, and that's mm. it. I mean, yeah. the work that we are doing here has eternal significance, and mm. there are two verses that I kind of base my my own personal rejoicing about work about, which keeps it from being just drudgery to me. Um, mm -hmm. The first is from Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Mm -hmm. Then I want to tie it to um, Proverbs eleven ten, which says, when it goes well with the righteous, um, the NIV says, when the righteous prosper. So when it goes well with the righteous or when, when God's people are prospering, the city rejoices. So the right. people around us get to experience right. this triumphant sense when mm. we are doing well and living as the righteous in God's world. And the way that I connect those, I think when I was a little girl hearing, whatever you do, work for the Lord and not for men, mm. I just kind of thought it was about getting his pleasure. That's how I pictured that. And I don't mm. think that that's really what it's saying. I think there's something really, really bigger in this because we already have his pleasure. If we're in Christ, we have Amen. his favor. Um, but when we work for a person, you kind of have this transaction. You're going to put in your hours, and at the end of the week, you're going to get your paycheck. And Hopefully. that's pretty much, in general, the end of your relationship with your employer. You have this, this contract. Right. But we are not God's laborers in that sense. Mm. We are heirs to all of his promises right. in Christ. So it's like, you know, in the old days, maybe people would understand this bit better because there were family businesses. Mm -hmm. Like if you worked for your father, maybe he paid you along the way, but you knew that was your business. It mm -hmm. was coming to you. And so mm -hmm. 
We are wow. actually in the family business. Wow. Whatever he's given us to do, it's all part of his Beautiful. family business because this is his kingdom. And when Jesus came in person, every miracle that he performed was like a little crack that showed this is what the fullness of the kingdom is going to be yeah. like. Now, he's blessed us to do these works that contribute to human thriving. And every work we do is another crack into the kingdom when heaven and earth will be one. Mm. Everything that we do has that kind of an outreach. So if we are prospering, everyone in the city around us is seeing a picture of that triumphant overcoming of sin, the yeah. enactment of mercy, the picture of shalom is starting to open and, and, mm. and envelop everyone. Yeah. And that's why, to me, work isn't just going and getting a paycheck. I am thankful I get a paycheck. Yeah. I am thankful for his provision. Mm -hmm. But I'm getting to be a part, and you are getting to be a part of the bigger work that he's doing eternally because we're heirs. Amen. We're all a part of we're it. We're heirs. I love that language of being a part of the family business and using that language. Um, how would you apply that to your own family, your nuclear family? Okay, you know, everything gets harder when it's brought into yeah. the personal nature <laughs> totally. because we see each other's sin so yep. completely. I think that the principle holds. I hmm. think that the difference is that within the home, in general, I mean, I hope that we're, <laughs> I hope that when I'm out in the world, I'm a little more restrained. Um, but in the home, we get the, can we call it the opportunity to see what it is God's forgiven us from? Hmm. To see who we really are wow. and that we are hopeless without his mercy and grace and that he is forming us, but we get to see the raw material a lot more. Mm. And I say that with a great deal of grief, but that's mm. the honest truth, yeah. I think. Wow. Um, I'd like to ask you uh, just one more question. How, how can our church family support you in your work? Well, thank you. I thought of, I thought of three things, and I'm not sure if I can remember all three of them okay. now that I'm up here, because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the pressure's right. on. The first thing, um, I mean, I look out here and I see all of you, and it's so good to see you all in one place. And I think that the first thing is keep showing up. Hmm. The first thing you can do to encourage me is to keep showing up because wow. every single one of us, whether it's going to a job tomorrow or you're staying home with little ones, you know, when we get detached from the body, it's easy to start to think I'm in this alone. Wow. And we're not. Look at all of Amen. you. You are all here for the same reason that Amen. I am. And we are not in this alone. We are in this together. And so being together as a body on Sundays is the fuel to keep going with that. So that's the first thing. That's the first thing. That's a good um, thing. The second thing, and this is something that um, I think probably I'm not the only one. Um, so when I was a mom of young children, I really needed my church to be in my children's lives because it's a big job. And um, I was working part-time then and was able to be home with my children and, until they were all school age, and I really am thankful for that, but I needed my church to be in my children's lives. Mm -hmm. Now my children, two are pretty much grown-ups and two are here, and my stepdaughter is um, in high school, so we have a, a middle schooler and two high schoolers who are still at home most of the time. They aren't here today, but they're here a lot of the time. I still need my church mm -hmm. to be in my children's lives. And I see some of you have been. I see Karen out there. I see Amy out there mm. who have really been in my children's lives. And I need you. Um, 
it's not always a comfort zone for people to like talk to a kid they don't know, but I would just encourage you, not just my kids, but everybody's kids, the little ones and the teens, I mean, so that they know that this is their church too. Yeah. So that's the second thing. That's just because I am still, at, you know, I'm still a mom, but I'm working, but I think it's the same thing for moms who are able to be home with their kids mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Their children need to grow up knowing that this is their church and that, that's right. that, they, have a, that they belong and have a part in it. Um, and the third thing, I think, you know, as we're in this place of rebuilding, mm-hmm. um, it just for me personally, I can say this, and I don't know if others feel this way, but I would love to see an adult Bible study mm-hmm. class on Sunday I mornings. I know there are Bible studies that go on, but mm-hmm. a lot of them are during the week, during, mm-hmm. and they're not when a person who's working all day and then coming mm-hmm. home and feeding kids or getting them to sporting events can participate in. Mm-hmm. I would love an adult Bible study on Sunday morning, yeah. and it would fuel me. So those are my. Th- I remember love that. My three things. Great job. <laughs> Good memory. Well, uh, just just a, another way we can support you right now is to pray for you. Can I can I pray for you? And then we're going to say a prayer uh, on behalf of all workers after that. But let's pray for Rebecca. Uh, Father, I thank you for Rebecca. Thank you for her heart for Jesus, her heart for this church, her heart for. World Magazine and uh, her heart for her family. Lord, you gave her a heart like this. It's a reflection of yours. It's evidence that you are alive, Jesus, today. When we love others, even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's hard, um, we reflect you. And so, Lord, I pray that she would feel supported by her family, us, that we would love her, cheer for her, Pray for her regularly that we would lean into each other in this next season of rebuilding and help us to build on the foundation of Christ together. We pray in his name. Amen. You're welcome. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, If you would, please, um, actually, you can remain seated. I think we're, this is good. Let's pray this corporate prayer together. Let's pray. Our Creator God, we pray for all who work in business and industry, who work in homemaking, who work in medicine, who work in education, who work in agriculture, who work in government, who work in tourism, who work in service to others, who are beginning a new career, who struggle in their work, who are seeking new or different jobs, who are retired or anticipating retirement, who are unemployed or underemployed. Give us joy in our work and in using gifts and talents we receive from you. Give us joy in doing all our work to your honor and glory. Equip us to labor in ways that promote justice and peace. Equip us to be ministers of your peace in a world that cries for peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, Can you guess what the uh, sermon's about? Someone's like, the end times. (laughs) Feels like it. Uh, We're going to talk about work today. Uh, God's Word has a lot to say about what we do. 
Um, you may know we've been in a sermon series um, in the book of Psalms uh, called the Psalms of Ascent. And it reminds us that life is full of peaks and valleys and uh, perhaps work has felt like one or the other more than uh, in years previous. Um, but by virtue of, again, the Lord talking about our work over and over in his word, we realize af- afresh that our work matters immensely to God, what we do in a given week. Uh, in Psalm 127, which is a wisdom psalm, kind of embedded in these songs of ascent as they went up to Jerusalem, singing these songs on their way to worship and feast. This song of, about wise work teaches us uh, at least two things that we'll investigate about our work. How we work, how we get work wrong, and then how we get it right. How we get it wrong, and how we can get it right. So with that in mind, uh, let's read, I think we might have a video, do we? Psalm 127? Maybe not. Okay, I'll read it. This is Psalm 127. A song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless, those who, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Lord, bless uh, the hearing of this word, your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive it and to act on it by your grace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, So there's two sort of main sections uh, in this psalm. Uh, You may have gathered the first one is about work uh, sort of outside of the home, and the second section is about work inside of it, work in our families. And the song, um, the Song of Ascent, it, it begins the way that the Bible does, with a God who works. In the beginning, God, what? What did he do? Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, what? God created the heavens. Good. Just checking you're listening. You know, I can't preach very well unless you listen well, so this is, this is good. So he created all things, and he called them good. And so God is a worker, and Eugene Peterson said this, that if God works, then work must be good. It's something he does, so it must be good. And, you know, the, the psalm begins by mentioning builders and watchmen and farmers. Any uh, builders or watchmen, farmers in the house? A few of us? A few of you? Security guards? All right. Maybe. Uh, they came to the nine, I guess. Um, so he is at work. The psalm is reminding us that God is at work in the hustle of our daily life. And, you know, uh, talking about work in church, I don't know about you, but growing up, that was kind of taboo. We didn't really talk much about it, um, but it shouldn't be because, again, we want to connect what we do here to the rest of life. That's what God intends. So to that end, um, I want to take 30, maybe 45 seconds or so uh, to have you stand up. I know it's weird. Have you stand up, meet someone new, and ask, what is it that you do during the week? What do you do for your job? If you're, you know, maybe you're golfing if you're retired. I don't know, but just, just share a little bit with one another.
All right, take 10 more seconds or so, and then we'll come back together. All right, let's start moving back to our seats. This is good. I like, I like this clamor of voices in here. It's good. Reminds us that we're family. And we have a good time with each other. All right, so hopefully you learned at least one person's job, what they do in the day-to-day. Um, again, this, this song, Psalm 127, it reminds us that God intends to be a part of our work life or it will be in vain. And the pilgrim's saying this, it's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And anxious toil uh, could also be translated distress or grief, being filled with grief. And, you know, I I think if I had preached this sermon two years ago, uh, I would have preached this really differently. Because I, I think, you know, this last year, um, it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. This, this last year has been incredibly difficult on many of us. Um, you know, maybe the prominent emotion has been something like grief or distress at times in the last year for you. Um, you know, many writers in our, in our country have sort of labeled this last year as a traumatic year. Traumatic. And to varying degrees, right, for, for all of us. Um, but look, trauma never leaves us the same. We may heal in s- some ways or we may experience um, some rebuilding in our own lives after a traumatic event, but we're never the same. Trauma always leaves us different than we were before. And I think after a traumatic year like this, you know, I, I think we can lose sight of what God is doing. We can lose sight of what he's up to in our workplace, what he's up to in our families, because it's been so heavy for many of us. You know, as Ann and I, my wife, um, we've worked, uh, you know, the last year, two full-time jobs from home uh, with little to no child care. I I think that it's really opened my eyes. God has used this uh, to open my eyes to the reality that for many of you, especially the moms in the room, uh, anxious toil happens in the home too, not just out of it. And perhaps more misery and distress is found in the home than outside of it for lots of us. And that's what the second half of the song touches on, working from home. And I won't read it all, but like the beginning uh, of the song, it reminds us that we can get work wrong in our homes, just like we can get work wrong at the office when we lose sight of all that he's doing within our families. It's in vain. We, we build our homes in vain. We parent in vain when we lose sight of him because it becomes about us. It becomes more increasingly, increasingly. When life gets hard, we want to control what we can. And we can so easily lose sight of the God who is actually in control of our lives. And that's where anxiety starts to come in when we think that we're, when we naively think we're in control of our children. That's where distress and anxiety really begins to peak, at least for me. Uh, Some of us here at Grace went through a book uh, by Paul Tripp a few months back called Parenting. Uh, And I just want to throw a few pointers at us. 
um, that were encouraging to me and really stretching. Um, and he said that oftentimes with our kids, we take an ownership mentality with them. They're our kids. But what God wants us to do with our children is to be stewards, to take a stewardship approach with them. That's actually they're his, right? The psalmist says they're the heritage from the Lord. And when we do that, when we take a stewardship approach rather than an ownership approach, oftentimes our homes are filled with a lot more peace than anger, with grace than frustration. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that life um, becomes easy just because you know a certain paradigm, like, I need to be a steward. Okay, now everything's going to be fine. One of the things Ken Downer, one of our elders who was a part of that class, helped kind of see, helped me see this, is that, you know, the gospel, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when you put your faith in Jesus, what he often does is he moves the needle a little bit in your home towards the gospel. It's not going to be this every second, yes, I'm a steward and I'm the best dad ever and I'm so gracious and forgiving to this minion right here. No, no, no. But maybe here and there, instead of responding with anger and, and sort of lashing out and saying, how dare you disobey me for the hundredth time today, you know, maybe, just maybe, I might have a little more patience than I did the day before. The Holy Spirit can do that in our lives. When we are aware of his presence in my family, when I'm aware of what he's doing in my home, Odds are, I'm going to be a little bit more gracious, a little bit more patient, a little bit more kind. And that's what he wants to do in us. But even though I read that book and I mentioned it in a sermon, I still get my family work wrong and lose sight of what he's doing in my home. And again, I want to stress this, that it's not just a mental thing that I want to encourage you to understand about uh, this psalm or really theology, God does care about what you know. He wants us to love him with all our minds, but he also wants us to love him with all our hearts. You know, the Bible is incredibly insightful about the human condition. It talks a lot about the mind, but it talks a lot about the heart because it understands that at the bottom of our decisions is not a, simply a, a mental issue going on. More often than not, it's a heart issue. And I, I want to um, point you back to the beginning of this psalm, which is, it reminds us that it's attributed to Solomon, okay? You may know that Solomon was endowed by God with wisdom beyond anyone else in the ancient days. And so people would come from all over the ancient world to, to be in his presence because he would help them sift through and sort through difficult situations like no one else. He was a wise person. But you may know how the story goes, that God warned him that he would lose everything in his kingdom if, if he would marry women who worshipped other gods. And that's a whole other sermon. I, don't, I won't address all of that here. But suffice it to say that the Bible goes on to say that Solomon clung to his wives in love. He clung to them in love, which means that he loved them too much. He loved them too much. 
And this verb to cling is the same verb used in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, which is where God commands his people to fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and hold fast to him, to cling to him. So God wants unswerving loyalty from his people. And he knew that if Solomon married these women who were devoted to other gods, his heart, which was at that time clinging to God, would be pulled away and then he would start clinging to the wrong God, a false God. The wisest man in the world, though, became a fool. And he clung to them in love, and he lost everything, and the kingdom was split in two. When we cling to our work too tightly, we labor in vain. We may rise up the ladder, but if it's all about us, and not about serving others, as Rebecca reminded us, and loving others through our work, it's in vain. It's about us. It isn't attached to ultimate meaning. It's attached to us. And when we cling to God, though, instead of worshiping our work or whatever's behind our work, money, acclaim, approval, status, a name, when we cling to God instead of clinging to those things, we become the best kind of workers. And similarly, if we cling to God and love as we parent, our kids will experience the love of God in and through us. And when that happens, more than often, more often than not, our kids will become the kind of adults that this psalmist sings about. Those who help and support their parents in times of trouble like arrows aimed at the glory of God rather than aimed at our hearts and grief and sorrow. So how can we get our work right? How can we get it right? And you guessed it, it's something to do with our hearts. God has to do something in here before we get our work right, before our hands and our minds follow suit. And that's my final point, how we can get work right let me ask you a question. What are you so afraid of losing by working so stinking much and so stinking hard? What are you so afraid of losing that you can't seem to let go of the littlest things that your kids do wrong, or the littlest frustrations in your home, what is it that you're afraid of? That you feel like you have to control your life, that I have to feel like I have to be constantly working, or my life will just come crashing down. Uh, can I let you in on a little secret? Is that all right? All right. The best gauge of what we're clinging to in love is how we rest. The best gauge of where your heart's at and who you're clinging to is how you rest. How you rest physically is really symbolic of how you're resting spiritually. Or if you rest. Some of you don't. Some of you don't know how. And I can relate, by the way. I have deleted Gmail off my phone countless times. 
this is it, this is the end, I'm never bringing it back, I don't need my email on my phone, but it's, oh, here's my phone, it's on there again. Did you know that God gives to his beloved sleep? Did you know that rest is a gift from God? It's not a reward for hard work. Some of you feel like you can't rest until you've worked your fingers to the bone. That's the way of the world. You deserve a day off. You deserve a vacation. By the way, take a vacation. Take a day off. If you're tired, do it if you can. But biblically speaking, that's not why we rest. That's not why we take vacations. We actually rest because it's a gift from God. He gives to his beloved sleep. And one of the reasons why many of us are exhausted is because we don't feel like we deserve to rest. We don't feel like we can. This is why I have email on my phone. Because even on Saturdays, I'm still checking it. I'm still wondering, do I need to do this or that? Did I fail at this or that? Did I meet my expectations? Whatever it is for you, maybe you can relate to that. But resting one day a week, Sabbath, is a gift to be enjoyed. But by the way, it's not just a gift, it's a command. Some of you need to hear that it's a gift. But some of you, like me, need to hear that it's a commandment. Uh, One of my friends, a pastor, he said, um, you know, of all the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, if a pastor broke any of them, they'd, I'd probably be fired. Lying, killing, <laughs> probably lose my job. But he said, you know, if, if I broke the fourth commandment as a pastor, the one about Sabbath rest, I'd probably get a raise. You know, and, and I think one of the things that we have to be careful of um, just as Christian people who work hard and and want to do our best, is to realize that rest is a commandment. It's something that God wants for his people. And in Exodus 20, he had to spend the most time on the fourth commandment. God spent the most time explaining to his overworked, overtired people how to rest and that they needed to rest. Why? Because they spent 400 years overworking, enslaved. They didn't know how to rest, so he had to teach them. And for many of you, you don't know how to rest either. For many of us, we have a hard time knowing what it means to rest. It's not just ceasing from work. It's at least that, but there's a little bit more to it than that. Sabbath, resting one day a week, is at least ceasing from work. It's, for me, turning off my Gmail one day a week, knowing that Unless the Lord builds this house, I'm laboring in vain. So I can, I can rest, I can, I can turn off notifications one day, and it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. But what about for you? What about for you? Uh, this is probably not news to you, but um, Americans don't rest very well. Uh, let me see a show of hands. How many of you sleep at least seven hours a night? Whoa, good sleepers in here. This is, the nine was not as good as sleepers as y'all. <laughs> What's that? 
Oh, I like the way you think. That's why they're late. Um, so uh, on, on our favorite website, the CDC website, right? Um, just kidding. Um, it says that more than, more than a third of Americans sleep less than seven hours. And this is, this is what it says. Um, sleeping less than seven hours per day is associated with an increased risk of developing chronic conditions such as obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, stroke, and frequent mental distress. Our anxious and restless toil is literally killing us. But again, God wants us to unlearn this overwork that culture tells us to work your fingers to the bone. Rest is something you deserve, not something that's a gift. We have to unlearn this, these sort of habits that we fall into. And um, I want to just mention one text. I'm not going to read it all this time, just for the sake of time. But you know that Jesus cares about exhausted people? You know that Jesus cares about overworking people and overworked people? I want to um, allude to John chapter 5. And you may know in this uh, chapter, there was a man who had been seeking healing for 40 years, and he was an invalid. He was um, most likely paralyzed. And they would take him down to the pool every day, and he would long to be healed. They would try to place him in a pool, and sometimes it worked, in, or sometimes he would be in the pool, sometimes he wouldn't. It was just an incredibly horrible existence as a paralyzed man seeking and longing for healing. And then Jesus, who was on his way up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Jews, he went up to Jerusalem, and he met this man by the pool. And you may remember what he asked him. Do you want to be healed? And the story goes, basically, of course, I do. And Jesus says, get up. Take up your mat and walk. And at the end of the story, he says, go as he's walking away and sin no more. And the very last sentence it says, my father is working until now and I am working. So the text doesn't say this explicitly, but Jesus, again, most likely was walking up to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. And I'm just going to say, he probably was singing the song on the way. Singing the song, going up the hill to heal a man who wanted to be healed for 40 years. Some of you have wanted to be healed of this addiction to work for years. But maybe your family has wanted it even more. I know mine has. My little girls are three years old and they don't even know what overwork is, thankfully. But someday they will and I hope Jesus heals me of this too. I need this too. But let me ask you the same question Jesus asked this man. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to, really? What's underneath that overwork? It's probably 
Probably not Jesus. Why? Because Jesus gives you the gift of rest. He gives to his beloved sleeping. If you place your faith in Jesus, you're his beloved. So take the gift. And as I close, I want to read um, or just allude again for the sake of time to an article that I read by Sandra McCracken. She's a Christian artist. who sing, We sing some of her songs around here. Um, and she wrote an article recently in Christianity Today, and she used an illustration that I want to share with you. Um, I, I think there's a picture of a hummingbird. And she said this hummingbird, you may know, their wings move at 50 beats per second. But when they fly, hummingbirds can appear completely motionless, right? They're just, they're flapping. I mean, it's, I, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so fast. I'm doing it. You just can't see it. Um, they can appear completely motionless, a miracle of fitness and form. God made these creatures to be a delicate display of paradox. They are still and active at the same time. I love that because she basically goes on to say, that's a picture of the Christian life. That's a picture of a Christian worker. That's a picture of a Christian parent, of a mom or a dad, still and active at the same time. And how do we do that? The reason we can be still and active at the same time is because Jesus climbed another hill to heal us of our addiction to overwork, to being the best mom or dad ever, to having control in our homes. He died to heal us from that. All of it and more. So just two little things to leave you and we'll pray. First thing, as we display this paradox of the Christian life, being still and active at the same time, cling to Jesus every minute. Cling to him. And maybe as we pray, you're gonna, I hope you'll be honest with Jesus. I've been clinging to the wrong things, things that lead to destruction, but when I cling to Jesus by faith, it leads to life. So cling to him every day, every minute. Take time of unhurried, quiet rest in him. And then lastly, Rest in Jesus every week, once a week at least. Take a day. Sabbath is simply this, ceasing from all work, worshiping him, and doing that which delights your soul for one day. Who wouldn't want that? Sign me up. One day a week? I get to cease from all work? I get to worship a God like this? And I get to do that which delights my soul. For some of you, it's sitting on the porch with a hot cup of tea when it's not too humid out and reading a book. That's restful for you. For others of us, we like to go to the gym to rest. We like to go for a run. It delights my soul to move my body. I don't know what it is for you, but do it once a week at least. Because why? God gives to his beloved rest. So let's enjoy the rest that he gives to us. Let's not, no longer cling to the things of this world, but cling to him. He is the source of all that is good.
and all that is beautiful in our homes, in our offices, and in this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Unless you build and watch over our lives, Lord Jesus, all of it is in vain. All of it. But Lord, you are building. You are watching over our lives. The gospel is proof of that. And as Rebecca reminded us that when we come here, we're reminded of that truth. So I pray that we would continue to lean into you and to lean into one another in the days ahead. To hold fast to you even as you hold fast to us, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, before you go, uh, receive uh, this good word. I'll just rem- remember 10.30 next week. 10.30. More from me, not more than for you. Um, all right, this is a word from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Go in peace. Have a great week.